Welcome to One Stop Shop, a weekly podcast that helps ambitious e-commerce entrepreneurs learn from the best. Brought to you by Conversio. To learn more about managing all your tools, channels, and strategies from one dashboard, visit Conversio.com. On today's episode, we talk to Ryan B. Miller on the power of search engine optimization. Ryan B. Miller is founder and content writer at Shopping Signals, a website that is all about online marketing for e-commerce. In this episode, Ryan explains the current best SEO practices and tactics that you should give a try to optimize your website for Google search. Hey, Ryan, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. So yeah, I'm Ryan B. Miller. Um, I'm a career a uh, web professional at the highest level. Um, so basically what that means is I've got about 18 years of experience um, developing, designing, and marketing websites. Um, and a lot of that uh, revolves or has revolved around uh, e-commerce websites. And that's uh, sort of where my, my real passion lies is helping um, e-commerce websites get more customers, get more sales, and make more money. Without getting too nitty gritty, what are some of your favorite platforms to build from? Uh, for me, it's really WordPress would be my favorite, mostly because that's what I have the most experience with. I like, you know, I have web development experience, so I'm one of those that likes to get in and tinker uh, and customize things to my liking. Obviously, with uh, with a Shopify, that's a little bit harder to do, but still possible. So Shopify and, and WooCommerce, uh, WordPress. Those would be my two favorite platforms. Fun fact, do you know that WooCommerce was actually co-founded by um, AD, who is the founder of Convergio? I did not know that. No, that's awesome. (laughs) Very cool. So is SEO, or search engine optimization, a legitimate and worthwhile endeavor for an e-commerce store owner? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I think uh, a, a good way to sort of start this off is, thinking about why an e-commerce site would want to worry about SEO. Why is it, why is it legitimate and a worthwhile endeavor? Uh, because it's potentially your greatest, most reliable traffic source. Basically what SEO is, search engine optimization, is all about getting people from Google to your website, right? If you can improve that and, and get the most possible um, people from Google onto your website, that, that's, a, that's obviously a win, I think a lot of people focus, especially in e-commerce, focus on paid traffic. Uh, and that's great. That's fine. And if you've got the budget, uh, wonderful. And you should do that. And I'm definitely not suggesting that you shouldn't. But I'm definitely also suggesting that, that SEO should be a balanced part of an overall marketing plan for an e-commerce website. Uh, you're putting time and effort into uh, paid traffic, and you should put time and effort into uh, building out your SEO uh, and essentially, you know, it's, it's just like, just like anything else. You don't want all of your eggs in one basket. Uh, let's say you're doing, uh, you're putting all of your marketing budget into Facebook ads, you know, just like Google changes its search algorithm, Facebook changes its ads algorithm all the time. What, what's working now may not work in a month. And if you've got, if you've been doing SEO and you've got that traffic, basically free traffic coming from Google, then that's going to help balance out those, those changes in, in the various platforms that we get our traffic from. So what practices and tactics should e-commerce store owners avoid when it comes to SEO? 
Yeah. So first, let's start with like the basics. Um, I think everybody in, in e-commerce knows this one, but we'll just start anyway with avoid duplicate content. I think it's pretty well known um, that e-commerce folks are notoriously, uh, or at least have been in the past, notoriously bad about using product feed data uh, to populate their store. Uh, and that product feed data usually comes from a supplier, and those suppliers usually supply that to many e-commerce websites. So what that means is potentially all those e-commerce websites will have duplicate content for their product uh, information. So like the product details uh, for a specific product would be the same on your site as they would on some other site. Google doesn't like that. Uh, it doesn't know which one to give preference to because they're both the same. And so uh, if your site's uh, has less authority as younger is is not as well optimized as some other site. You're going to lose out. You're going to lose that that battle. So you should always try to customize and optimize your 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 content so you don't have that duplication. Another one would be another thing to avoid would be keyword stuffing. And all that really means is so let's say you've done some keyword research and you want you want to try to rank um, your unicorn sweatshirt category on your website. You, you create a bunch of content for that for that category page and you put unicorn sweatshirt in there like a hundred times because you think that's, you know, the more times they see my keyword, the, the better I'm going to rank. You don't want to do that. Google actually looks for that and there's a, there's a certain method to their madness, but over a certain percentage of the content, if it's if that keyword shows up more, more than it should, they're going to actually penalize you for that. So you want to avoid those things. Those are kind of like the basics, the things that everybody should be aware of and know. Other things uh, you want to, whether you're doing this yourself or you're getting someone else to do, th- do this, you want to make sure they're not doing things like submitting your site to uh, to directories, to link directories, um, building spam ba- backlinks through, um, you know, scammy services like maybe through Fiverr or get a thousand backlinks for five dollars, things like that. You want to make sure that you're not you're not doing that. Also, things like commenting in blogs and forums; those are things that used to work. They don't really work anymore. So you just kind of want to avoid those. Now, while I say that, commenting in, in a blog or a forum is just fine, and putting a link to your website is just fine in those as long as that applies to, you know, it fits within their rules. But it's not going to help your SEO, and if you do it a whole bunch of times, it could hurt your SEO. Another one would be buying links. Google has always frowned upon buying links, and it does have ways to figure out if you're doing that. Just in general, try to avoid paying for links to your website. Now, if you're advertising on someone else's website, that's different. Um, it should be obvious that you're advertising, and it shouldn't just be like some link within their text back to your site, but it should be like an ad, like an image or something like that. Uh, another one would be uh, PBNs. I'm not sure if, if most of the listeners would be familiar with this concept, but a PBN is a private blog network. Essentially, it's a farm of blogs that exist um, basically for the sole purpose of linking to other websites. What would happen is either you, uh, if, you've, if you're crazy or you would pay somebody who already knows how to do it, you would go through and set up a whole bunch of websites, populate them with a whole bunch of content, and then just people would either pay you or, or, or you would do this for your own sites, but you would put links, contextual links to certain pages on, on whatever site you're trying to rank. That's called a private blog network. It's become a, a very um, prolific way that, that um, sort of the, the black hat and gray hat SEO professionals are, are using to, to rank websites. Uh, Google has caught on, and they're now able to, to sniff those out and 
while they they some do still work, uh, many of them have been have been shut down or and or the the sites they they link to have been uh, de-indexed. So it's just again, it's just one of those things that it's not worth the trouble. And believe me, it's a lot of trouble to set up a blog network. Uh, it's just not worth it. You can put all that same effort into creating great content that your customers will love and love you for. So I just don't know why you would even bother with that. And then finally, let's just say you're you're looking to hire someone, hire an expert to do this for you, to do your SEO for you. Just avoid anyone that can that tries to guarantee placement. Like we'll, we guarantee a number one Google ranking for whatever keyword. No one, no one can can guarantee that. Uh, so it's just a big red flag, and you want to look for for that kind of thing. A few a few follow ups based on what you were just talking about with mm-hmm. the the duplicate data thing. Let's say I'm a store owner and I have a personal page. Um, maybe I write a post about um, not even necessarily a product, but a topic that's related to my product, and I put it both on my personal page and my store page. Would that be frowned upon within the SEO world? So you pu- you put it on your per- what kind of personal page? Like a a, a non related an unrelated website? Yeah, let's just let's just yeah. say um, for me it's jefflarge.com um, because I kind of, personally even I kind of do this and then I'm just sort of curious even for some of the clients I've worked with in the past um, maybe I write an article about podcasting on my website and then I reuse it on the company website is that something that shouldn't I shouldn't be doing should it be just two distinct posts um, how should that no be it's okay to do that it, it really is and content syndication is I mean it's a it's a thing and Google knows that that people do it um, in those cases, especially, uh, it's it's fine. You do want to try to um, let Google know whose content it is, and you can do that through meta tags. Uh, I can't recall the name of the one right now, but um, it, basically, in in your meta tags on your site, and if you if you use like Wook or uh, WordPress, there are plugins for this. But you just you, you attribute the the original source, the original URL where this content came from. Mm-hmm. And that lets Google know that they deserve the, the credit for that. Um, so, I mean, that that's what I would do, especially if, if you're somehow affiliated with both sites. Um, that way you're, you're assuring that the originator, um, you know, retains that sort of authority. What about, I've seen um, some different e-commerce shop owners or like you'll get these different quote-unquote SEO companies come in and they'll make if say if you're selling specifically like services they'll make like a this is the designated city page for this service and then there's an adjacent city page an adjacent city yeah. page in order to sort yeah. of rank in that way how is google interpreting those types of things uh that is very specific to location and google has gone uh out of their way to try to put a, a damper on that um so basically you for, for it to be successful nowadays with that, and I don't do a lot of local SEO. That's what we call local SEO. Um, but to, to do that successfully, you need an, a physical address in each of those cities now um, to, if you really want that to, to work for you. And you can there are ways around that, too. You can get a, a P.O. box or, you know, you know, at a UPS store or something like that in each city. Uh, and I think that might still work, but I think they're actually cracking down on that as well. But yeah, basically, when you're talking about location-based kinds of things like that, uh, Google definitely has ways to to look for that, and it it's trying to keep people from from doing that who aren't legitimately located in each of those areas. Okay, and then the the final one that I had just because we've mentioned Google several times now is Google just the definitive source for SEO, or are there other search engines we should also take into consideration? It it really is. I mean. 
uh, I guess what I would say is Google is like, I, I don't remember the numbers, but it's, it, it's, it, it absolutely dominates the search market. And then there's Bing. Um, so what I would say and what I always suggest is let's get optimized for Google first and let's work on that. And, and we're going to get 80% of the way there or more. Uh, and if, if you get to a point where you're super happy with all of your Google search traffic, which would, would be awesome, um, then you can start worrying about uh, being and optimizing for them as well. But a lot of times when you're optimizing for, for Google, especially now with the kinds of things that I recommend, the, the white hat SEO kinds of things, practices, um, you know, you're just making great content. And, and I think any good search engine is going to recognize, uh, recognize that. Yeah, I mean, Google pretty much has a monopoly on the search engine, um, even if they don't come out and say it like that because they don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, they certainly do. But they do. They do. I mean, all right. So what are some of the current best practices for e-commerce SEO? Yeah, so uh, we covered some not-to-dos. Um, some to-dos would be to uh, really it kind of comes down to two main facets, I think. The way I think of it is on-site SEO and then off-site SEO. So for on-site SEO, we're talking about things you would do on your website or on the you know the server that hosts your website that would help in your rankings. And those would be things like things like uh, site speed. So Google, part of their algor- algorithm, um, recognizes the speed with which your site loads, and it it will rank you higher if you're if you're loading faster than say someone else with the exact same website would. Does it make um, a difference or I mean how much of a of an impact does this It's not it's certainly not not one of the largest factors, but I mean I would say it's significant enough to matter. It still matters. Yes. yes. And there's a common theme with user experience that kind of underlies all of this you'll find too. So yeah. Um, another one would be another on page SEO kind of best practice would be to uh, to make sure your site's mobile friendly. So obviously it's it's responsive. That means it looks good whether you're looking at it on a desktop huge monitor, a tablet device, or your smartphone. Uh, your website should look and function well in all of those, in basically any screen that would encounter it. And then uh, other things, other on-page, on-page things would be, or sorry, on-site things would be content-related things like um, you know your page titles. Your, the headers and subheaders, bullet points, the structure of your website, so like how your menus are laid out and how uh, the categories kind of work and are structured, things like that. Uh, keywords, you know, if you're if talking about keyword research. So, uh, so those are sort of the, just the high-level details of on-site SEO, and I'll come back and kind of get a little bit more in detail of those. But then for off-site SEO, we're talking about outreach, uh, it all comes back to outreach. It's it's link building and tr- and traffic generation, and I'll come back to those too. So to get a little bit more into uh, sort of best practices for on-site, uh, so site speed, of course, you, you do want to make sure your site's loading as fast as possible. And a couple of things you can do is make sure you're on a good web host. Um, there, uh, you just have to do your research, and, and uh, there are many many uh, web hosts out there, and many of them are, are very capable. But the, the more traffic you get and the, and the larger your site becomes, the more the more robust your host needs to be. And so you just what want to make sure you in terms of, of web hosts. What do you and any names that you recommend that we can throw out there? Uh, yeah, so like SiteGround, I think is a really good one. That's probably the one I would recommend the most, especially if you're a, a, a WooCommerce customer. 
But I will say that like, if you're just starting out, it's less of an issue and your site's going to be small and your traffic's going to be minimal. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if budget's a concern, you know, it's, it's okay to go with a, a lower cost host. Just make sure they've been around a while, like a, a host gator or a blue host or something like that. And then just scale up to a, a, site, a more sizable, a more capable, more expensive host when you can. I mean, even I'll jump in here because we, we've done um, web dev for a long time too, not as long as you have, but going starting on SiteGround, I know a lot of their base plans will begin at even $4 a month or something, which is quite True. comparable, especially if you get <laughs> yeah. like a holiday or, or there's the trick if you go to the product service page and then as soon as you start to leave, their little exit thing will pop up that's like, oh, hold on, <laughs> you get to save an extra 20%. So yeah. <laughs> go, go use that trick and, and start there and then as your site grows, you can upgrade into some of their bigger plans. Definitely um, SiteGround and I mean, I'm not sure, I don't want to speak for you, but I know we've had good luck with like Flywheel or Pantheon and WP Engine and a lot of uh, yeah WP Engine is another one I have experience with. I don't have experience with Pantheon or Flywheel, but I've heard of them. Um, WP Engine another another great one. Yep. Um, one other question on this, those specifics um, with the on-site. What is your recommendation? Like I know Google and we can um, Ileana, we can link this. We should link this into the show notes to developer tools that they have, and you can ha- use their page speed ranking one. What would be like your bare minimum your site? absolutely has to be running at this page speed based on Google's tests? I, I like to shoot for three seconds or less. I mean, I think that's pretty good. And I, I say pretty good. I mean, it certainly can be faster. Um, but that's sort of a, a sort of a benchmark I like to shoot for. Uh, and it's, it's not always possible. It's not uncommon to, 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 you know, see a new site that I'm starting to work with and it's five or seven seconds for a product detail page to load. And I just feel like that's, it's you know it's it's not horrible but it, it's you're losing people at that point you know people are are leaving your that page leaving your site when they when it gets to be that slow yeah man i don't have the stats in front of me but I, there's a few different conferences i've been to where there would be different people from even the woocommerce team that would talk about that like you're you losing literally x percent of sales with every second um extra of load time yes so, i mean absolutely you can absolutely play a major major difference in terms of your bottom line Yep, and so not even not even talking about SEO and search, search rankings. It's just a matter of user experience and conversions, right? It's it's keeping those customers on your site and providing that great experience. Um, mm-hmm. So we moved on. Um, the other thing you you loosely mentioned a couple offsite things. Would you go into those in a little more detail? Absolutely. So uh, link building. People aren't familiar with that. It's, pra- it's the practice of getting other sites to link to your site to link to whether whether it's your homepage or any specific page on your site. Um, links are and have always been, um, and I think will still continue to be, the highest ranking determination factor Google uses to determine uh, how it's going to rank your site. So the more links you have to your site, and, and I'll say this in, in quotes because there, there's a caveat to that, but the more links, in, in theory, the more links you have to your site from other sites, the higher Google's going to rank you. Um, but in reality, what you, what you really want is contextual links. Um, so what that means is a link that relates. So I, let's say I have a, let's go back to our unicorn sweatshirt category page. Um, if I get a link from a website that's, you know, like a blog about unicorn sweatshirts and they link to my unicorn sweatshirt category page, that's really good. That's a, that's a good hit. It's a nice contextual backlink to my site. Uh, the other thing you want, not only contextual, but 
uh, authoritative. So let's just say that that um, that blog that blogs about unicorn sweatshirts is an authority in their niche, meaning they, they themselves rank highly uh, for search terms related to their website. They've been around a long time. They have um, high ranking scores. Uh, if if it's an authoritative link and it's contextual, that's sort of the best case scenario. And so you really want to strive for those. How do you um, strive for those? Any specific- I thought you might ask that. Yes. Um, so basically, that's it, that's where outreach comes in. So um, I, I like to think of it as you know, you have to provide content that people want to link to. So you have to spend a good chunk of your time creating great content that that people want to link to and that your customers want to read. But you need to spend, let's just say you spend 20% of your SEO effort on that. You need to spend the other 80% of your SEO effort on outreach. And that's the, that is basically building relationships. It's, it's communication with real people. It's reaching out on social media, you know, following people, becoming, uh, commenting on their posts, uh, becoming pseudo internet friends with them. Um, and then eventually asking for a link uh, or asking for them to take a look at this latest post you just wrote and, you know, hoping they'll give you a link. Um, that's really what it's all about. It's about building those relationships. So it, so what you do, you basically you go out and you identify who are the influencers in your industry. Um, you know, what are the big blogs in your industry, in your niche? And you reach out to those people, you form, you build relationships, you start following them and commenting and posting and, and things like that and build relationships with them. Um, you also figure out who's linking to your competitors and, um, you know, what, what the most valuable links are that are linking to your competitors and, and find those people and reach out to those people. Um, so tip- it's all about that, finding those people. Any tips on, specific tips on uh, finding who's linking to your competitors? Yeah, so... Uh, there are lots of tools that you can use. Uh, I my favorite is SEMrush. Um, there are others, but uh, basically you can put any URL into one of these tools, like eight maybe Ahrefs, and again there are I think Majestic SEO, lots of them. But uh, put your competitor's URL into this tool, hit hit search, and it's going to show you a listing, basically an index of all the different uh, external links that are pointing to their website. And so you can kind of start to get a, a clear picture of, and it'll even kind of give some ranking factors for those external links to kind of give you an idea of which ones are authoritative and, and where are they linking and how many links go to this page versus that page and all that kind of stuff. So you can kind of form, start to form a picture of uh, what their link landscape looks like and who you should be targeting for, for your links. Yeah, and it's sort of like they do a little bit of the homework for you. For you. You know, absolutely. Like you don't have to uh, learn it all from scratch. You can see what's already working for them, and then you can follow in their footsteps. If you're absolutely the industry, it's always very helpful. Very cool. Yep. So, what's the most important thing to focus on in terms of e-commerce SEO? I would say I'm going to go right back to that analogy I just made about well, not an analogy, but the 20-80-20 rule. Um, I think I really think this is the key. It's it's let's just say whatever amount of time you have to focus on SEO, 20% of that goes towards creating content. And when I say, when we're talking about the most important thing you can do, that content has to be great. It has to be the kind of content that people want to read. Let's, so as an example, uh, you know, an, a content post about, you know, your, your new collection of products 
that's interesting to some people who maybe are already fans of yours, but it's not really compelling, right? It's, it's, it's not the kind of content. It's also not the kind of content that other sites typically want to link to. What's really compelling is content that's helpful, that teaches, you know, that kind of content, the how to or the expert guide on whatever it is, uh, things like that. So it's just understanding like what it is your customers really want, what are their pain points, what questions do they ask you when they give you feedback, and coming up with uh, content ideas like that. And then, again, spending that other 80% of your time on promoting that content. And that, that ranges from outreach, like we talked about, and then also your own promotion. So hopefully you're building an email list if you run an e-commerce website. So every time you post a new uh, piece of content, you should email your list and tell them about it. Every time you post new content, um, you know, talk about it on your social channels. You know, post, tweet about it and post something interesting in Facebook about it, things like that. So obviously trust is a really big factor when it comes to selling online and e-commerce conversions. How does trust play into SEO? Yeah, so it's an interesting connection. E-commerce sites, more than, than any other really, they rely on trust. You, you need that buyer trust, that customer trust. That customer has to trust you to, to be willing to you know, give you their credit card information and, and purchase and hope that your shipment actually comes when you say it will and then it won't be broken and it'll be the right color, all that stuff. It requires a lot of trust. So anything you can do to, uh, you know, to, to spur that trust along, that is great. Uh, and one of the things that relates to SEO specifically is uh, how your, your, um, your search results appear in Google. And what I'm talking about is, is like, um, you know, basically, let's say somebody who searches for unicorn sweatshirts and you come up ranked number one. And that's awesome. Uh, but the, the, the second ranked website, um, their, their, uh, the, the content on their search listing is more compelling than yours. Uh, for whatever reason, it, it inspires more trust than yours. Um, they're likely to get a click, even though you're ranked number one. They, they may get more clicks than you. So what, what we can do about that is, uh, is we can implement rich snippets. Uh, and so these are things that allow us to post uh, things like uh, website reviews, star ratings, product pricing, product availability, product quantity, things like that, right in the search results. So I'm sure we've all seen these. We, you know, if you do a search that's somewhat product related, you're going to see some results in the natural search results uh, come up that have like star ratings next to them and a link to reviews and maybe the product quantity or an in-stock comment and then maybe even the price of the product and the product description or at least a part of the product description. All that stuff is, you know, it's already on your product detail page. Um, you just have to tell Google that it's there and which and which thing is which so it knows what to display. And so you can implement what's what are called rich snippets uh, on your site. And that kind of allows you to to tell Google what you want to show when it when it uh, surfaces one of your pages in their results. And so where trust comes in is like if, if it's between unicorn sweatshirt with just some text and unicorn, unicorn sweatshirt with some text and a star rating of five and 17 reviews, I mean, I'm going to trust that one with all that extra stuff, you know? I think that's, that's typically what people see is you end up getting a higher click-through rate uh, with those rich snippets. Now, they don't necessarily affect how you'll rank with the caveat that – so let me go back – Having rich snippets isn't going to improve your rank as it is, but getting more clicks to your website 
actually does improve your rank. So if Google surfaces the same four links over and over and over again, and one of them is getting more click, clicks than all, other, all of the other three, it may go ahead and push that one up in the rank because it sees that as like what customers are actually wanting to see, wanting to click through. What am I looking into? Where, where do I even go to figure out how to make that possible? Sure. Okay. So yeah. Um, so you, uh, you can Google it and you're going to learn all kinds of stuff about it. Um, but basically, usually your platform is going to have some built-in ways for you to implement that. Um, if we're talking about e-commerce pl- platforms, whether it's WooCommerce or Shopify or Magento, there are already pre-built apps and plugins that you can, you can install on your site that are going to help you with this. And then it's a matter of formatting those to show what you want to show. So if you don't have any star ratings on your site for whatever reason, or you don't have reviews yet, you don't have to show that. And you can just configure that in that, you know, that app or that, um, that plugin. Does that kind of help? No, that does help. So, I mean, I guess what part of what I'm trying to draw out of you is as a shop owner, and maybe I don't have a huge technical aspect, I'm going to want to at least talk to my developer or look at, tools that will allow me to be able to do this like you feel like i should be giving it that much attention i would yes i definitely would um i'm curious if you think that um all commerce or all e-commerce websites should invest in creating not just a generic blog but a really active and engaging blog i i really do yes um and that does it have to be a traditional blog no but one way or another there should be a way for you to add content pages on your website, on your e-commerce website. Uh, and I don't mean a separate site that you link to. I mean on your website. Uh, so whether that's a, a blog or just some other form of content page, and I mean textual-based content page, absolutely you should have that. Why? Because that's that's the stuff you need to be working on in order to, to tell Google that you have content that um, – that matches keywords that people are searching for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, otherwise, e-commerce sites, they're just full of category pages and product detail pages mostly, right? Um, most of that content is not compelling. It's not super textual driven. And um, it's hard to tailor towards specific keywords. Um, if you have, let's just say, like, if you have a blog or the ability to create content uh, on your site, you can then create content that you know people are looking for. So you can do your keyword research and figure out that people want to know about, you know, unicorn sweatshirts and you can create an expert guide on all the different variations of unicorn sweatshirts out there. And then you can have that, um, you have a link to that on the unicorn sweatshirt, uh, category page, but that you can, you can also have obviously a dedicated, um, section in your blog or wherever, um, to house that content. You, you absolutely, you absolutely need that if you're if you're going to focus on SEO for your e-commerce site. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the easiest and simplest way to explain it is that uh, Google, at the end of the day, their customers is you know people like me and you and our listeners, anyone who uses Google to search for anything. And people, whether we like it or not, you know, and it's true that we buy things online, but we use Google Google mostly for information to get answers to questions. And to find information. So Google understands that the customers, us, go to Google to get that information. And they, be above everything else, the one thing they value more than anything is that 
their search engine has to work and do what the customer wants, which is to give them answers to questions and give them information and, and give them engaging content. And that's why things like what you were just talking about earlier, Black Hat SEO doesn't work. Because for me, as an average person going online and searching whatever keyword, if I land on a website that just has a bunch of keywords and links, and it's not really giving me any content, it's not interesting to me. And I'm going to stop using Google eventually because it's not giving me what I want. And so that's Absolutely. what, so that's how that's, so anything that doesn't work for the customer or the reader or the person using Google is not going to work for Google. I think that's the simplest way to put it. So that's there's, right. that's exactly right. There's no shortcut. You have to please the people who come to your website to read stuff. Make them happy and Google will be happy with you. So Absolutely. And to add to, to, uh, to the overall concept of creating content for your website, you know, people, if, if people are searching for a specific product, um, yeah, your product detail page for that product may, may rank. Um, it's unlikely that it's, going, that it's going to, unless your overall site has good authority, and to build that authority, you need an overall good SEO and content creation plan. Um, but the nice thing about that is about all this extra content on your website, you start to bring in people that, that like you said, that are they're looking for information. They, might, they may not be searching for a specific product, but they're look, looking for information about a certain kind of product. And that gets them to your website. And at that point, you can... You're, you're starting, you're developing that relationship, you're building trust, you're showing them that you're the expert in this niche, and you can start to gather their information, you can get their email address and things like that, and start to uh, you know, build your customer base that way. Let's say I want to learn more about SEO, where can I go? What are some of your favorite resources? Uh, my absolute favorite is Backlinko. Um, so a gentleman named Brian Dean runs Backlinko. Uh, he is he just puts out phenomenal content about SEO with super uh, specific case studies and examples, real world examples of stuff he does, stuff his customers do, his students do. It's just it's just really excellent content. It's an easy read, and he puts out videos. He just he's just really good. And there is some specific e-commerce related content uh, that I would rec- recommend people check out. Um, Moz would be another one. M O Z. Um, they're they're just sort of the the de facto kind of SEO um, uh, figurehead. If I don't know if, how to how to put it, but they're sort of the the industry experts when it comes to SEO. Uh, sort of everybody looks to them first when it comes to uh, keeping on keeping tabs on Google and, and what does Google want us to be doing and all that kind of stuff. So they've got just I mean just tons and tons of great content. And where can our listeners find out more about you and what you do? Uh, so I blog over at shoppingsignals.com, and actually they can go to shoppingsignals.com slash Conversio, and I've put uh, just a special little thank you page together for, for the listeners and uh, some links to some of my um, SEO-specific content. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to have you. It was awesome. Thank you guys so much. One Stop Shop is a production of Conversio. Let Conversio's all-in-one dashboard run your marketing so that you have more time to run your business. Get started for free at Conversio.com. On our next episode, we're going to talk to Leanna Patch on tips for writing excellent copy. One thing, I think this is like the basic thing that most people do when they sit down to write. They start with themselves and the easiest shift to make. Just every time you sit down to write any piece of copy, ask yourself, you know, what is my reader going to get out of this? 
More on the next episode. One Stop Shop is also made in production with my company, Come Alive Creative. If you want to learn more about producing podcasts, you can visit us at comealivecreative.com. Last, if you never want to miss a thing, please subscribe at convergio.com forward slash iTunes. Convergio, sell more, do less.